We're back for the second half of our interview with Steve Farrell, author of The New Universal Dream. If you missed the first half of this interview, please jump back and listen to that before going on to today's episode. We pick up with an interesting connection between Steve and another member of the Dadages friends and family, Ken Honda, author of Happy Money. I want to sidebar here for a moment because when I take a look at the front of your book, but then I flip around to the back of your book, I spy on the back of your book the name of another member of the Dadages friends and family, Ken Honda. Yeah. And, uh, Ken wrote a very glowing review of your book. Uh, tell us about how you and Ken became connected and how you got to know the Zen millionaire. Yeah, Ken Honda is amazing. And uh, you shared he's on your program. Boy, good for you because he's, Ken is, is, Fabulous. He is all these things we're talking about, where yeah. he was inspired to leave just this incredibly lucrative work there in Japan. Now he's all over the world, a, an educator, uh, an enlightened educator at that, just got so much wisdom. So this is one of the really neat things about this program, this uh, humanities team, this yeah. 501c3 nonprofit that I lead is we are 20 years old. And so all of them, Kit Honda and Greg Braden and Bruce Lipton and Michael Beckwith you know, go on, whatever leader you know in transformational education, chances are they've created programs on our streaming platform called humanitystream.net, where we where we have helped create a masterclass with them. Ken is actually creating one with us right now. So that's, oh, that's coming amazing. out next year. I'm working on a brand new program with Ken right now. So I get to work with these incredible people. And these things, these values and perspectives, worldviews that I'm espousing, uh, they almost all, all of them have these. This is part of this, you know, I just call it an inside out job. And it's since we come, become transformed, it's really true. They, uh, we just look, it's, it's all of them. You know, Ken Honda is such a great example. He looks at the world with kind eyes. He's thoughtful. He's always trying to figure out how can we help people in countries all over the world? Yeah. Just a truly amazing person. He even gets into financial wealth, but from a different angle. It's not just about top line and bottom line. It's about really being a good person and experiencing what I call the boomerang effect, where you become blessed through the good work you're doing. And he has codified that in these programs that he creates that are really outstanding. Yeah, he's amazing. And I'm so excited to hear about the fact that he's doing a program for you. And, and I, I can't wait to see that, that module when it becomes available through Humanities Team. You know, I was blessed and really fortunate to have him come on, on Datages as well. He was here last week and it was, uh, it was really remarkable to have him as a program. And one of the things that he and I did was really cool is, you know, there's this concept of self-help, you know, being in the self-help world. But I started something new last week that I call host help. And <laughs> one of the things we do here on Datages is I have very much opened my life up just as you did in, in your book to the data, just friends and family and use it as a model and as a lens, not of, oh, my life is perfect and you should do exactly what I do, but as a way to examine what's going on in my life, look at it through a lens and hopefully help make those lessons and that information more tangible and more digestible and concrete for members of the data, just friends and family. And so I would love it if we could continue that, keep it going here for the second week in a row and continue with this host help. And I'd like to dive in and share a couple of examples out of my life and have you help me look at those through the lens of humanities team. Are, are you game for that? Well, I would love it. Chad, let's, let's do it. I'm diving in with Fantastic. you. We jump in where we left off with Ken Honda when 
talking about his framework of happy money and applying that to my life and, and some of the things that I've experienced. You spoke in the book about Bob Foley, Recom CEO, and how he developed this model that he explained and shared to you of the thirds model, a third, a third, a third in his life. Can you explain for the Datages friends and family what that model means and what it has meant to you? I can. So yes, as you mentioned, he was he was the founder of 3Com, which was one of the technology companies there in Silicon Valley in the 1990s, very successful. So his vision was that our lives could be three parts, one part education and sort of gaining skill, which would be college and then an early career. The second part would be business success, where we take that skill and that education and really further it and become all that we can be in an organizational context or business context. And then the third is that we allow ourselves to be called away from it to give to the world around us to be, to what I've been referring to as hearing this call for conscious living and with this drumbeat of uh, extreme weather and other things going on where we hear that calling and then where we, through daily practice, understand what station we're to go to. Mine was to help found humanities team, grow it and so on, but where we go ourselves to the in daily practice within to understand what is the role that we can play in the larger world, though it can be also just in a home with an elderly person. It can be in a community where we're working on, on really wonderful, valuable projects at a community level, or it can be worldwide as, as mine is and yours is here, Chad. So that's basically it, that we see the thirds and honor those thirds where we, if Anybody listening to this program is feeling resonance with that. My guess is just like us here, because Chad, I think this is what you've done too, you, that this indeed was your destiny, that you were to also go down this path, a third, a third, a third, and maybe you're going, focusing on the organizational success now, or maybe you've already done that and you're looking at uh, a calling where you, you'll leave and do something truly impactful, profound, get reach an impact in your home, community, or world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for me, what is a little bit different and different from this thirds model is my life path was somewhat unconventional. I was blessed with having some very early success in my real estate career. And I, I faced this opportunity to just continue investing in my career, push as far as I possibly could, achieve as much as I could. I opted instead of, of this, let's look at that later third of my life to be the time that I give back, I decided to divide my life much earlier and to start focusing 50% of the attention and the focus that I would have put into my professional life and putting that into philanthropic investment. And so I've kind of had the two going on side by side. And when we looked at it through the lens of happy money, one of the things that Ken really helped me reconcile, and it was so beautiful, and I encourage any of our friends and family that haven't had a chance to listen to the Ken Honda episode to go back and check it out. But he helped me see is I was posing to him, well, if I have this situation where I'm doing what I'm good at, I'm not passionate about it. I don't love it, but I'm doing what I'm good at. And then it affords me the opportunity, the lifestyle, a level of personal wealth, a level of security to be able to do the things I'm passionate about. If I'm making unhappy money, but investing my time and money into happy things, can it all balance out and can it all be okay? And he painted this beautiful allegory of climbing mountains. 
And he said, in life, you have the good at mountain and the love mountain. You can either climb the mountain of things you're good at, or you can climb the mountain of things you love. And if you choose to climb both, you just have to know that you can't spend too much of your time climbing either mountain. You have to divide your time between those two mountains. And then he went on to say, to continue this mountain climbing analogy, he said, if you're doing the things you love while you're climbing that mountain, you can pause and you can listen to the birds singing and you can enjoy time with your friends. And so that's the mountain you should climb slowly and enjoy those times. And the mountain that you're just good at, if it's not what you're enjoying, if you're struggling, if you're suffering, if you're facing adversity, climb that mountain fast because that's not where you want to spend all of your time. And then the last thing he said to bring all of this together, which I loved so much, is he said, the beauty of all of this, Chad, is that you and I have the choice of which mountain to climb. That's the true blessing, is having the choice. And all of this fed so much to me into turning the page for me, literally and figuratively, and reading your book this week after reading Happy Money and seeing how all of these things came together so well. And so if we look at taking the Happy Money model, which Ken and I covered last week, and now we look at the new universal dream, and I, I actually want to uh, highlight something that is comes straight from the book. And you say in the book, if you recognize that you are still in pursuit of goals that resemble the American dream, I invite you to look into whatever connection you currently feel to the oneness that is the foundation of life and all things in the universe. Are you able to feel a deeper possibility for yourself and for our whole species in the ideas of the universal dream? That to me is so amazingly stated. And the question I have for you, and this is where the host help comes in, is in this somewhat divided world that I live in, where I'm working in one universe, and then I'm spending my time in the universe of things that I'm passionate about and giving back and growing and building, and the things that I love, is there room for both? Or are they at odds with one another? Can both things coexist peacefully? First, let me say, I love what Ken Honda shared. Boy, wasn't that beautiful bringing in, as you call it, he is the, the, Zen uh, the Zen story. Yeah, this love mountain and challenging mountain. So I, I love that. And I think this is what he does, actually, is with his, with his mastery is to talk about this specific thing. So the way it has worked for me, Chad, is I haven't had, uh, uh, there, there's been, as we've come back to a couple of times here, uh, this calling of mine did was a mission impossible calling in the beginning. So for so many years, honestly, people uh, thought, wow, you sure had a career and you've kind of thrown it away and good luck with what you're doing. So it was, it was mission impossible for so many years. And there was a head scratcher for a lot of people. Where you're bringing in the, the challenge, the drudgery, the, you know, even urgent care, you know, where there was, there were many times and during many seasons where it was it was really rough but i knew that this was my calling i was clear that even if i hit the wall so to speak and it didn't work out that i uh, i was living in my integrity as uh, offspring of the divine you know where i'm here on this special mission to live the delicious life myself and in the process help help this planet around me so there was this uh, some of what you speak about, it was actually a part of my journey 
you know, great challenge, little possibility, drudgery, you know, kind of digging it out with my fingernails, so to speak, when we were much smaller and the resources were, were, uh, were not all there. So I did not have to myself have my feet in both worlds, other than that I have, as I mentioned, it was 1999, I sold my company that created the financial wealth to do what I'm doing because I haven't drawn a paycheck. And so I've been my own financial manager. I've set that up so that it requires very little time of me. I'm not a trader at all. It's a very much of a long-term strategy uh, that just supports my family. I've got a daughter in college, a son who works with me here in humanities team. So that there's very little energy that goes into that. I'm really 99% here you know, doing the work that I'm talking about. I think that what I would do if I were you and, and uh, also to anybody listening or watching the program, the important one here is, boy, when I, you know, the five steps to peace, it is going within on these things. I would say, don't ever go to somebody else's wisdom of do this or do that, you know, because people, even well-meaning people, they love you, but uh, it almost always you're going to miss I take these things like this question and I take them within and I'll take them in for a substantial periods of time. I've also learned from the mediums how to reach out into the afterlife to my dad, to others, angels, guides. And uh, it's actually not that hard to do. We create programs in humanities team that help people to do that. These really important ones like this, I devote time to in my, I'll call it inner sanctuary or in your soul space, in your daily practice. And uh, you will, uh, what I can promise you is where you ask for assistance, you will be given assistance. You'll be given clear direction and you'll be given clear support uh, so that you know with, with absolute certainty, this uh, path that you're on is steering you right to your North Star, right to where you want to go, including the elements uh, each day that are of one kind, maybe in the business world and of another kind in the philanthropic world. That's such a powerful message, Steve. Uh, thank you for sharing that. It's certainly full of hope too, and, and optimism and confidence, certainty in that hope. And I really appreciate you sharing that. It does mean something to me. It is something I'm going to take away from today and really ponder and think about and put myself into. And I hope that other members of the friends and family are able to do the same. So thank you very much for indulging me and thank you for sharing that that perspective. It, it means a lot. I appreciate it. And now and kind of step back and step back in time in your life as well. Because as you know, on datages, one of the things we really focus on is what are our origin stories? Where do we come from? What are the influences in our lives that shape who we are and shape the great work we do? And love, 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 love. But the very, very, very first sentence in your entire book is a quote from your father and some advice that he gave you back in 1979. And I just want to read it so I get it exactly right. Live a life of integrity and continue to pursue your dreams, whatever those might be. Can you share for the Datages friends and family the context in which that advice was given to you and what it has meant to you from that moment forward, why it was the first sentence in your book? Yeah, thank you. So this was you're referencing where my dad was there with me at the airport. He was seeing me off. I was uh, just out of college, flying out to take my first job in the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, that real heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul conversation that took place. And there was uh, great irony in that conversation. As you know, I unfold a story there about success. He said, see you at the top. My 
thinking back then as a young man right out of college, see you at the top, kind of had one frame of reference. It's grown into a very different frame of reference. I am at top, but a little different, different top than sure. yeah. that, he, uh, that he envisioned. But, you know, this uh, where, where we do these things, this, this kind of actually ties to the earlier one, where we go within, where we've got this daily practice and we trust a God who incidentally loves us to the end of the world, knows every hum, how many hairs we have on our head. Uh, we are so deeply loved, all of us. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't feel that. Uh, somehow I have felt that from the time I was a young man, have, have understood how loved I was, how supported I was, always being told that uh, there's no specialness, there's no favor, that you're, you're one of the 8 billion here. And I have the same love, the same support, the same favor for every single person here. It's just that people don't open themselves to that. But coming from that place and also this oneness where you see, you know, you're a true brother, Chad. It's true sisters, you know, and brothers that are that are listening to this program, I am a part of them and they're a part of me. Where we stay in that higher ideal, you know, of real integrity, of vision, of doing the most with our life that we possibly can, that's really what we're serving. And that's the supra consciousness thing. All I can say is, is we can float on a raft above. We don't have to be on the roller coaster in life. We can have synchronicities and miracles and, and, and these things happen frequently because what is happening, if to make it real simple, is the light is just flowing through us. We've basically, we have opened ourselves, you know, to providence, to the divine. And we said, okay, I am your arms and legs and lungs. And, and not that I'm doing it perfectly or even excellent all the time, but to the best of my ability, yes, to the best of my ability, that's what we've done. We've just opened ourselves to be worked through. We're being used because we want to be used. And we're saying it's a time of great challenge, even in my home with my wife and my son, my daughter's now in New York in school, you know, where I'm being used to support them, of course, as well. So it was that ideal. It was that vision. It was that thing that I committed myself to that was that conversation that I've done, you know, to the best of my ability, not always perfect, not always excellent. I tell the story. In fact, my, my sister, one of my sisters who read the book said, Steve, you were kind to everybody except yourself. You know, in your book, you know, you told on yourself all throughout the book. I did. I mean, that the purpose of this book was not to glorify myself. The perfect the purpose was to just share what the journey was and all of these incredible challenges I had and what I did with them and how I've endeavored to grow into a, you know, a better person, a more capable person. That's the so that people could read the book and get, you know, from these stories uh, maybe pick up a tool or two, you know, about their own life as they're on this conscious journey. Oh, yeah. You've definitely taken 100% ownership and accountability in your life and the way you portray it in the book. And there are certainly, the, the book is filled with lessons that people can can come away with. And, you know, speaking of those lessons, a, again, kind of looking at your formative years, you, you spoke in the book to some degree about you know, not just the advice your father gave you, but some of the things you observed in your father's life when you were growing up that really had an influence and impact on how you've led your life since then. And then you also talk about how, while you describe your relationship with your father as close, that during your formative years, it was really your mother that was the primary caregiver in raising you during that time. Can you give us some anecdotes and, and some flavor as to what you saw, what you experienced with your parents growing up and how those things really shaped you and put you in the position to do what, what you've done with your life? 
You bet. Yeah. So it was the opposite of entitlement because it, by necessity, because my parents got divorced when I was in the sixth grade, lived with my mother, you know, in a rather small house. There wasn't really budget for things, including even things like braces. And this is what I would recommend to all parents. And I, my wife and I endeavor to do this ourselves is just give your kids responsibility at a very early age, freedom, encourage them to make their own decisions, let them make their mistakes, uh, let them fall early in life and learn as they fall how to do it better, uh, how to be responsible, how to grow into the person that they want to be. This book, How to Win Flins and Influence People, was something I read uh, at a relatively young age, Dale Carnegie, which, which really gets into a lot of these kinds of things. So my parents were, gave us a great deal of freedom, actually. I was hitchhiking around there, you know, with all of these jobs. And, and then I finally got a, somebody bought me a Corvair for $55 and I paid him back $5 a month and agreed never to smoke pot again. I, I tell the story, you know, again, on myself, I, there in those early years in high school, I'm for, uh, through my ninth grade year, you know, I, and I think I started somewhere in my eighth grade year. I smoked pot some, not, I wasn't a pothead, but I smoked some. And then I hitchhiked around the country there. Uh, you probably remember that story. A lot of people picked me Very up, but did stories. went on in their life. And uh, it turned out to be the greatest thing I ever did because I was like, man, I know what I don't want to do. I don't want to just have no money in a van and a dog, you know, and a purposeless lucky. <laughs> so I came back and really cleaned myself up, made better grades, and then got into George Washington University and so on. But so that's really it is I yeah. think they had right lessons in life they were calling attention to and then gave you, me, a lot of freedom and uh, made a lot of mistakes early. But it then created the opportunity to really, boy, you know, hit the, go at warp speed, you know, as I was coming out of college and beyond. Mistake your way to growth. I think that's a great pathway. And, uh, you know, when we talk about influences and mentors, his name has come up a couple of times in our discussion already today, but Neil Donald Walsh, obviously in 1995, you had the opportunity to read his book, Conversations with God, uh, became not only something that the book had an influence on your life, but you went on to meet Neil and not just meet him, but partner with him and build this organization behind a vision that he really spelled out in his works. Talk to us about how just amazingly, what, what such an amazing blessing that is to not only be able to meet your heroes, your mentors, but then be able to work with them, partner with them and achieve something with them. What did that mean in your life? Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Neil is a modern day spiritual messenger. He's compared in the in book one to John the Baptist, which I think is a which is an interesting and true comparison. He's he's really equal to that. And that's that's pretty big. John the Baptist was was really big. He was actually the mentor to Jesus. So, so boy, talking about that relationship. What Neil has done is he has endeavored to share those profound truths all over the world. He's traveled all over the world. People are asking him to come in and speak quite frequently. He does virtual programs now from his Ashland, Oregon home, really has devoted his life to this, to sharing these messages. And often he leads with, uh, when he, he was on ABC television and uh, back in the 90s, he was on these kinds of programs, Larry King Live and so on. They said, well, tell us about the God of your understanding. And Neil says, well, you got me all wrong. <laughs> this is what God is saying which is an interesting way to frame it because God is actually pure love. That's the God that Neil speaks about, you know, all of this wisdom that's in the nine books. He brings that wisdom through with a clarity that is 
unmatched. I can see why God picked him, I'll call it, to be the author of those books, to be the spiritual messenger in this modern day world. There's nobody that comes close to Neil in terms of distilling down this wisdom to its simplicity uh, so that people can really see and understand this big global conversation. What is life about? And what are steps that we can take to live an amazing life? Neil distills that down unlike anybody. There's nobody that comes close to Neil in that. And of course, he's been my partner now for over 20 years, creating masterclasses with me. Uh, he's on our uh, Council of Trustees. He writes, speaks, does things alongside me all the time. And it's been, it's, it's been amazing. That work, that body of work has, has mentored not only me, but our whole organization as we look at this whole, even as they bring in things like Galileo Moment. The basis of that vision, where I talk about really living into this offspring of the divine that we are, that comes from this work of Neil's. That's amazing. And then to go kind of one layer deeper than that even, and looking at influences not only in your development, but the influences behind the new universal dream. One of the things that I was really pondering as I was reading is you talk today here about your Christian faith, your upbringing, being an altar boy, your, your relationship with the church. How much do you think the, your, your Christian foundations played into you coming to the new universal dream? And how much does it play a factor in the new universal dream itself? Is the new universal dream rooted in Christianity? Or is it actually something that is much bigger and broader than that that can go beyond a religion and bring people together around something. Let's see. So, Chad, you froze on my screen. Okay, you froze there for just a second on my screen, Chad, but I think I did get your question. Yeah, so it is, it's more of this this vision, a new universal dream, it's more, I'll call it a, a, a new spirituality than an extension of Catholic faith. And I call it that a new spirituality because this new universal dream is, my, I have an aunt in town. She's, she's an atheist, does not believe in, in afterlife. The new spirituality, which is what's emerging from this new universal dream, is that, that it's a spiritual universe, or, or we can even use the term, you know, a, a cosmic universe, an energetic universe, a superorganism, a body that we're cells in that body. So we can even go in that direction and drop out words like spiritual, though I think it, it, it'll support us better if we don't drop out those words where we understand that we're like a cell in a superorganism body. So because a cell in a superorganism body that's healthy is a red blood cell, right? It's delivering oxygen to the body. It's of course supporting itself and doing so, but it's always in service. See, one of the premise of my book is that uh, we actually are designed as part of this larger body. And the more we give ourselves away, the better we feel. So in this new spirituality uh, and in this new universal dream, we're understanding that we are, I'm going to use Christian terms, though I'm calling it a new spirituality, but that we are made in the likeness and image of the one, of the divine, of this super organism. All of us, every one of us in the cosmos, that there's actually nothing, including the earth and animal and plant life. When, you know, this word omnipresence is real. It's, there's an omnipresence. There's this universal consciousness. We're a cell in this larger body. And uh, what's emerging here through this, we've come back to daily practice a number of times because it's so critical. It's the thing that anchors us. And in the daily practice, we're communing with that one, where we feel that the energy of that one, we're 
going in with incredible intention and even metaphysical because we're actually creating into the future. I realize I'm saying some things that maybe on a future program we can come back to or something, but that's what we're doing in this daily practice where it's a new spirituality that's emerging where this, what I call raft that's floating up above, we are in that place. We feel, or if we feel like we're on a raft, it's the furthest thing, by the way, uh, when we when we talk about meditation, most people are like, oh, my monkey mind and I have trouble and I don't want to sit down. No, let me just say this. If you do what I'm talking about, I'm talking about something different, a daily practice where we're really going in with intention. We are communing with that one. We're feeling that energy where we're actually creating into the future health and well-being for the planet around us. I'm actually drawn to this. I'm not running. For, I'm I like, I want to get in a third time and a fourth time during the day. And even now I'll feel the energy of it as I'm talking to you. So it's a new spirituality, which is communing. It's intentional. It's metaphysical, which is to say we're co-creating. This is what's emerging and it's going to cross all of humankind. We can truly unite humanity here because Buddhists, Islam, Jews, Christians, atheists, agnostics, we all can sit under this roof. Super powerful, super inspirational and and gosh i mean exactly what we need right now at this at this time and as we're you know wrapping up today uh, i kind of look forward now uh, and and focus because you've been a leader and a mentor not just in building this organization of humanities team but on the home front too you and your wife stephanie adopted two children dylan and sophie which i respect tremendously that's amazing and i love the stories that you share can you tell us more about what they've brought to the fabric of your life? Absolutely. So, and these were different birth moms, open adoptions in both cases. Uh, Sophie is actually now at NYU in New York in her freshman year in uh, the Tisch program, which is drama. She's got that X factor thing and she's in the right place for her. Dylan is a beautiful boy, incredibly gifted. Uh, he's 21. He actually has, we have offices here. The whole bottom floor of my home is is leased to humanities team. He supports the social media and videographer, all of these kinds of things. He's incredibly gifted. Let me bring something in though. I don't know that I talked about much in the book because I didn't want to invade on his privacy, though I hear I'm comfortable sharing. He has something called pyroluria. And if you look it up, what it is, is it's where you are urinating out like B6, zinc, minerals and vitamins in your body that help create health and well-being and keep uh, anxiety more at bay. In fact, he has, there's a clinic in Chicago called the Mensa Clinic, a Dr. Mensa that leads that clinic. And uh, over the last year and a half, we've worked with them because Dylan has pyroluria and he scored 10, 267 in average score, or you start becoming unhealthy at 17. So Dr. Mensa says Dylan has the most severe case of pyroluria that he has seen in 17 years. So what, what Dylan experiences as a result of this is a separation anxiety. So, which means when Stephanie and I leave the home, makes him uncomfortable, both of us leave, it's very challenging. Even one of us leaving is challenging. So we're working through that and helping him to, fortunately, you can take vitamins and minerals, the B6 and say, build your body back to become healthy. We're working on all of that. Now I'm bringing this in partly because. I don't want people to think, oh yeah, he went to Silicon Valley and then hit the home run and sure, you know, Steve can go off and do these things with his life. Who couldn't, you know, I want to bring in 
know, there's some real, this is my wife and I are only starting to really travel together. Again, we're taking a trip with three nights here to go see Sophie. In fact, later this week, we rarely travel together over decades and decades. So it's, it's been a huge challenge and I, and I want to bring it in again so I can, the, the listener and viewer can understand it's not like our lives are going to be perfect, even as I'm talking about floating on a raft. You know, I mentioned there's still challenges. Uh, this is a great challenge in my life, uh, but with a son who I dearly love. And I, I'm clear, you know, I was to be his dad. He was, I'm, he was to be my son. In many ways, it's created a spiritual gem for me. It made me even stronger just through the kinds of things I need to do as his dad. So yeah, real, uh, real palpable challenges as you're describing them. I, I can only imagine uh, all of the, as you said, the accommodations you've had to make, but you know, how, how much, so much of a blessing that you have that you're able to craft your lifestyle, even while building a foundation like this and the movement that you're advancing and to be wise enough to then incorporate him into it. So then instead of creating that separation where the things are tearing at one another, you've created oneness within your own family and your work to bring those things together to accommodate your son and the special needs that he has. It's so remarkable and amazing to me. Is there a way that you can encapsulate that in advice that you would offer to others of our friends and family that may be facing their own challenges, but wanting to be great men and great women and do things with their life to this higher calling and balancing all of that with their family? Is there a way you can advise them about that? Yeah, you know, these things that we've been coming back to, Chad, this daily practice of going within, of seeking guidance, of seeking support, of seeking the highest truth, of, of seeking higher purpose, all of these things. And also, I want to, I've brought in this whole, you know, God who loves us so much and uh, who I, I love back so much. There's a reciprocal thing that is really pretty extraordinary. I don't know, for me, you know, it's like, how could we not love that love God on that level? Uh, where we're given, where there's so much love that's here for us and support and all where I was led to my wife, I was led to Dylan, I was led to Sophie, I was led to starting humanities team. Uh, people can relate. Now you've got different spouses, different kids' names, different businesses, different homes, right? The viewers and listeners here, but step back and look at all of what you have. Chad, you've shared, I mean, the remarkable journey that you've got, that you've been led to, right? Listeners, viewers have the same thing. There's so much that they've, that they've been brought into and where we uh, really bring a reciprocal love back and not out of necessity, but because we want to, a daily practice that we don't push away from, we run toward it. We want more throughout the day because it's such an incredible commuting experience and where, you know, candidly, we just really care about the world around us and say, you know, and I say, hey, in this embodiment, God, let's hit warp speed. Let's go, you know, yeah, we're going at one speed. Let's let's now go at a whole nother speed. Let's go. Give, turn it all on. You know, I want to just turn the whole thing on. Let's go. Uh, and it doesn't matter what I'm called to. I'll do it. You know, I don't know. So for me, where we do these things, this is this is a delicious life that I'm referring to. It's a great example and and very motivating. And and speaking of motivation, it's clear that the example you've set. Neither of your apples has fallen far from the tree. Uh, as you said, Dylan is involved with you directly in humanities team. And then Sophie in the book, you highlight that she is pursuing her own philanthropy now as well. Can you tell us about what she's up to? 
Yeah, she, well, over the years, she supported different causes. There was one in, on the continent of Africa that she supported through her school, a Waldorf-inspired school called Tara here in Boulder, where they adopted these, these girls over on the, uh, on the African continent that, um, you know, just for creating sanitary health. But she's been involved. She has a huge heart. She's been involved in so many things. Humanities team, our Global Oneness Summit. She's done a lot of video programs. She started us out in social media on Instagram, set up her whole account, got that whole thing started. And now she's just out learning all of these forms of expression in, uh, with, in the Tisch School there at NYU in New York City, just growing into a young woman. She's turning uh, 19 here, actually, this coming weekend. That's part of why Stephanie and I are going out to visit her. So yeah, she's a remarkable girl. She, at an early age, she had this gift when she was 10 and 12. Uh, the Pepsi Center in Denver, you know, was the big, massive place that all the bands, you 2 and these bands come to and things. Uh, and then there's the soccer field for professional soccer here in Boulder. Uh, there's the stadium for football where Deion Sanders plays. She's gone to all of those uh, when she was like 10 and 12 to alone sing the national anthem. You know, you got 15,000 people there in the stands, little 11-year-old out there singing the national anthem alone. So she's got this. X factor thing, most of us wouldn't be able to breathe, much less sing at that age. And she was just all in, you know, just in full expression. So they invited her back to these other events because people said, wow, you know, this little girl can, you know, it seems to work for her pretty well. So she's gifted. Artists, as they say, that provide the meaning and the context and the beauty to our lives. So you must be incredibly proud. I, ca I can see it in your face and your eyes. I can hear it in your voice. And uh, happy birthday to Sophie. Yeah, thank you. Thank uh, and, you. I'll and, tell her. And piggybacking on the work she's done, uh, it's a, another great segue because I know that Humanities Team is everywhere now. You guys have established such an amazing online presence, social media. For those members of the Datages friends and family that want to go deeper, want to connect, want to be a part of this amazing movement and find oneness and find consciousness and the new spirituality in their own lives, how can they connect with you? Okay, so a couple of ways. First, the book, A New Universal Dream. You can go to anewuniversaldream.com and the first four chapters are opened up for free. And uh, the book on Amazon is about $14.50 or so now. It's $18.99 is the retail price, but Amazon's selling it for a little less and other bookstores too. And But if you save the receipt, we're giving you one of my masterclasses. It's called Conscious Leadership. It's a $299 masterclass. We're giving it for free when you just enter your receipt number. So be sure to enter your receipt number on that site. I will do so, that for sure. I'll yeah, yeah. You want to grab that class here, Chad, for sure. So then the organization itself, humanitiesteam.org with a Y, and it's got our free Global Oneness Summit. It's got all of our masterclasses, our free programs, all of these things. Be sure to check that out. Humanitiesstream with a Y.net. That's the streaming platform that's uh, we've got over 3,000 in the world now, and it's growing in, in subscribers. Again, we're translating 75 languages, these new programs. Uh, so you can go there and learn more about it. And then if you want to reach out to me, I'll, I'll leave my email address, though. It might be me or my assistant. Uh, it's steve.farrell, F-A-R-R-E-L-L, -L, at humanitiesteam.org. And uh, yeah, feel free to reach out. Yeah. Appreciate you making that opportunity available, and I'm sure you'll be hearing from members of the friends and family. We'll put all that information as well on our bulletin board 
at datages.com so that our friends and family can find it anytime they like. Steve, you've been incredibly generous with your time, with your wisdom, with the vision that you've shared with us here today. Uh, it has meant so much to me. But I'm going to ask you to, to give us one more thing, which is that here at Datages, we, we like to celebrate the legacy of the bad dad joke. And so if you have one that you can lay on us, we'd love for you to share a dad joke before, before we depart today. A dad joke. Okay. Why? So a bad dad joke. So a bad dad joke. Well, so one is this whole where your dad says, see you at the top. And uh, you go, yeah, I'll see you there. Knowing full well, man, he has no idea what that top is. You know, we're redefining the top. So he, he, he'll see us. My dad has transitioned now. I've actually yeah. in the afterlife connect with him. It, it's actually not that hard to do. Again, we have created programs to help train people as mediums. Yeah. You know, these things our dads throw out, see you at the top, other kinds of things. My dad told me, he said, uh, back when my grades weren't great, great. He said, uh, you know, somebody, Steve has to put the toothpaste in the tube. And, uh, that was a bad joke for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Lit, lit a fire under me. Dads <laughs> have those in the term they use these days is cringeworthy statements that they, they like to bestow upon us. But, uh, we uh, hope to transcend those and have much more meaningful engagement with our, our children as we go forward. Well, Steve, on that note, uh, thank you so much again for your time today. This has meant a lot to me, and I'm sure that the uh, Datages friends and family are going to take a lot away from it as well. Uh, thank you so much for being here and devoting so much time with us. Hey, Chad, thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, Datages is performing a great service. So, you know, wow, you you were led. See, another example of somebody, vision and provision. Look what Chad was led to. So I was an honor to be a part of your program. Thank you for having me. It was, it was my honor. And uh, I'll just leave it, depart today by reminding all of our friends and family, dad may not always know what he's talking about, but he sure can sound like he does. <laughs> 